I'm Melissa. I'm Jam. And I'm a chemist. And I'm not. And welcome to Chemistry for Your Life. The podcast helps you understand the chemistry of your everyday life. Bonus extended edition quarantine way longer than we ever thought. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're still recording from home. Yeah. Which like, it's weird how we kind of got into a group of it. I don't love that. Obviously, I'd l- rather be back uh, in person and stuff like that, but this has worked. I mean, we're... We were able to figure it out, which I'm sure that there's some podcasts who are like, all right, we're on break until we can get yeah. back together. Yeah, I've been thinking about that and how scared I was to have to take on the recording responsibilities, but how we haven't had a ton of scary hard things as a result of recording remotely. Yeah, it was like working out the kinks at the beginning, but now it's like, okay, Melissa, just do the same thing you did last time and then send me the file and then don't worry about it. Yep, it's been working out great. Well, I'm very excited for this bonus episode. We had some great questions this time. Dude, I'm very ready. For some reason, it feels like it's been a while since we've done this, even though it actually hasn't. But I always love when we get to do the bonus episodes. Yeah, I also love these. I don't know why. Maybe because there's less preparation, but it just feels fun. Yeah, it's like the same. I mean, you don't have to do as much ahead of time, which is great. But it also is just kind of fun, relaxed. It doesn't feel like we... I guess it's partly because we're not doing one cohesive mm-hmm. like lesson or whatever. There's no pressure on you to learn. You know, mm-hmm. we're just like, it almost feels like we're hanging out with yeah. our listeners. Totally. Yeah. We get good to hear from them and talk back to them, which is awesome. So I love it. Me too. Now that we've talked about how much we love it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You ready? Ready. The first question is from our very inquisitive Stephen H. Does sunlight fade colors the same way as bleach? My answer to that question is sorta. Um, Moving on, all right. So So exposure to UV light can initiate radical reactions, basically break some bonds. Um, It just makes electrons move and makes things happen. The light's being absorbed and then they're coming back down and that plus oxygen can really break things down. So in our lab, we make these molecules that specifically can absorb light, but that means that a lot of them break down in the presence of light or oxygen. Mm -hmm. So we would have to evaporate all the liquid. It was not allowed to be dissolved in anything and cover them in foil and sometimes purge them with nitrogen to just get to where there was no exposure or else sometimes they, they would be this beautiful, brightly colored thing and you'd found it and you'd done what you were going to do. And if you left it just sitting out overnight or whatever in the lab, you could come back and it would have turned brown, totally mm. broken down. So essentially sunlight does cause reactions that will break things down, which is, which is what bleach does, but it's not exactly the same reaction. Right. Also, just as a fun aside, I went and looked up the reactions of UV light just for fun. I didn't have to for these episodes, (laughs) but I like doing that. And I found out that UV can even break down some plastics and polymers. And I found that some companies put in stuff in polymers to keep the light from degrading. Like they'll put something that will scoop up the radicals or they'll put in a light, a UV light blocker or something so that it can protect these things that are susceptible to the UV light breaking down. UV light is just, you know, pretty powerful. Wow. It's weird, but 
I mean, it makes sense because there's so many things about it, like sunscreen and whatever else, like that are a big deal. So mm-hmm. it just, but that's just weird, dude. I know it is kind of weird. Science is weird, you know, and <laughs> also beautiful. So for once, we do have references here on our bonus episode. Nice. You know, the I'm most beautiful put- things, most beautiful things in life are are a little weird. That they got to be. That's so true. Hmm. Okay, you ready for the next question? So ready. This question's from Harry B. And he says, I have this soap that when you put it on and wash the suds off, your skin becomes hard to rub against. I was wondering if you had any idea what might be happening. I think the oils are being bonded to and removed, but I'd love to hear what an actual chemist has to say. Okay, Harry, that's a great question. I have two theories. One is that it's very effectively stripping the oils from your hands. So there's not that oil that sort of makes the, like lubricates your hands naturally almost. Oh, gotcha. Or it's leaving behind some kind of residue from whatever extra fragrances or whatever they put in the soap. So we've talked about soap before. It's actually made with sodium hydroxide and fat and then you usually basically just mix that together and heat it up and then you add in fragrances the more solid you want it to be the longer you heat it up the less solid the more liquidy it'll be and so in this case I think it's possible that it is just really getting a lot of those oils off your hands sometimes cheaper Soaps can have more of the sodium hydroxide, which is kind of caustic, left behind, and it can leave your hands feeling dry. Mm. Alternatively, I think sometimes the things they put in there that smell good can just leave your a little bit of a residue behind, and they just feel kind of weird on your skin. That's my theory. I don't know for sure. I'd have to, you know, look at it, investigate, but that's kind of what I'm thinking. I'm, I'm leaning towards the first one that it's stripping your hands of oils very effectively. Nice. And that was what his theory is too, for the most part. So mm-hmm. that's sweet. Right. Yeah. So good job, Harry. Good guess. That When I read that, I was so excited because <laughs> that's what I want people to be thinking about. <laughs> you know, yeah. like he's washing his hands or whatever and thinking, wait, why do my hands feel this way? Is it because of this? Mm-hmm. How interesting. I'm going to write in about it. Like using his brain, thinking critically, problem solving. I was so excited to read that. So uh, good job, Harry. (laughs) Nice. Okay. This next question is from Anonymous. Interesting name. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) That's one of those names you just don't hear very often. You know, it's obviously (laughs) a beautiful name, but. Okay. So yeah, it says, my girlfriend's sweat doesn't have a scent. When she works out, but it does have a scent when she's anxious or worried. What does that mean? Dude, whoa, that's crazy. I know that is a real thing. Okay. So I don't think it means anything in particular other than, you know, this is just part of her body chemistry and Mm -hmm. she's lucky. So there is a paper that states that there is a percentage of the population that just, they don't have sweat that smells. So whatever it is about their chemical makeup, maybe it's ultra salty or something about the way they sweat doesn't get processed into something that smells by bacteria. Weird. So the bacteria might still eat it or whatever, but it just doesn't smell somehow? 
I tried to look more into it and there was not as much on the bacteria side. If I can find something, this would probably be worth its whole own episode. So it's likely that that's why when she works out or whatever, her she doesn't have much of a bad smell. Huh. Just she's part of that percentage of the population. But yeah. as we mentioned in the episode, your emotions can affect your body odor. So I found a paper this time where it talked about how humans when they're happy or fearful, emit different things. And they gave those scents basically to dogs and tested how the dogs reacted. And dogs reacted differently to the fear odor than the happy odor. So your emotions can affect how your sweat, the chemical makeup of your sweat. And and you mentioned the service dogs um, Uh being able to tell things going wrong in that episode. Right. So you really can have a different composition of your sweat when you're anxious or stressed or fearful than you would when you're working out and have a lot of endorphins or you're just sweating from that kind of thing. So Hmm. it's a real thing. I don't think it means anything. I think she's just lucky that she doesn't smell most of the time. Yeah. Sometimes there's things where you're like, you know, just, just enjoy it. Don't ask any questions. (laughs) Just, be like, man, this is this is nice. <laughs> also, one of the papers said that the same gene that controls your body odor seems to also control the moisture content of your earwax. So people who weren't smelly also often had drier earwax. Like, huh. I shouldn't say like there. So the chances of that happening, those two things happening together at random were super, super small. The combination was high percentage likely if you have dry earwax you also don't have body odor wow that's crazy or you don't have that kind of body odor i should say right man super weird i know (laughs) there's a whole world behind smell chemistry i'm fascinated by (laughs) okay you ready for the next one so ready okay this one's from nikki in she says fun fact for women your body odor can get really bad after giving birth, probably hormonal, not sure the cause. This helps the baby smell you and turn their head toward your armpit slash breast so they can nurse. Crazy, right? That is crazy. <laughs> Nikki in submitted that and I was mind blown. That's yeah. amazing. Dude, that is crazy. I saw that too. I mean, I just, I, I saw like the keywords of like, after giving birth and baby mm-hmm. and stuff like that and things, I was like, okay, what's going on here? And I was just like, what? Yeah. That's nuts. It's amazing. So much cool stuff about bodies and sweat that we just, you know, don't know about. It's totally. amazing. Yeah. It's crazy. Sorry, babies, that you guys are having to use use our sweat to to smell, to find stuff, but... hey it's better than nothing okay you ready for the next one I'm ready wait actually can I do the next one yeah okay so I'm gonna ask the next three questions because I think that's fun okay and the first one we got this on our Instagram story SD replied and said are popcorns polymers and when I saw that my mind was blown I was like 
what is popcorn? Why do these kernels just turn inside out when you put them on heat? (laughs) That is insane. Yeah. And how did we figure that out? I mean, I have so many questions and I wonder about a lot of things and I eat popcorn constantly. I have this popcorn bowl where you can put kernels and oil Mm -hmm. so it's a little bit healthier and put it in the microwave still. So it's easy, but a little bit healthier. And I eat popcorn probably every day. Yeah. And I have never thought of this. <laughs> so good job, SD. Can't wait to research this and find out what the heck popcorn is. Yeah, it's awesome. Just the other day, I put my phone camera on slow-mo when I was making popcorn on the stove. And it's hard to see because it starts to splash the... We have the clear lids to our... Like glass lids to our pots like a lot of people do. And uh, it got harder to see over time because oil, little bits of it were splashing up onto the glass, but it is kind of cool. So I'll show it to you, Melissa, and see if you think it's cool enough to throw on the story for just for kicks. I think it's worth it. I love throwing stuff on our Insta story. <laughs> okay. So you're you're in charge still. Your, oh, yeah. Your okay, questions. Your move. Okay. Abby H. submitted a question that made me so excited. She said, my coffee routine is bored. How can I spice it up to give me some excitement in quarantine days? Oh, dude. Oh, my gosh. Oh, baby. Such a good question. Great question. (laughs) Abby, thank you. So should we let the coffee expert go first and then the basic coffee girl? Or what do you think? I feel like you should go first because... um, if, then you can tell me how wrong I am. Well, no, but <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Why don't you, yeah, why don't you go? Well, here's what I've been doing. Number one, I use agave in the raw instead of sugar because I feel that gives a little bit of a caramely flavor, almost like simple syrup without having to actually buy the simple syrup or make it or whatever. There has been a big trend of whipped coffee that my roommate did where you put instant coffee and sugar and water and you whip it up with a whisk and put that over milk. And it was delicious. Very good. Big trend. Super basic move. But (laughs) it was very good and (laughs) exciting and fun. And I loved it. And this has been my own thing. So I do cold brew coffee Abby and I have actually talked about how she doesn't have a cold brew maker. Maybe I'll get her one for her birthday because she deserves it. But I take my cold brew coffee right now and pour it into ice cube containers Mm -hmm. and freeze it. And then the next day I put that and a little bit more cold brew and a little bit of almond milk and a little bit of agave and blend it up to make Almost like a blended coffee Uh that is delicious (laughs) and so good on a hot summer afternoon. So those have been the ways I've been mixing up my coffee game lately, but I'm sure Jam has all kinds of opinions about everything I just said. (laughs) Well, here's the opinion. I'll just start off this and then I'll just say what I would normally have said. But I don't don't believe in diluting uh, coffee or sweetening it. Um, I'm a black only guy. And so, but the tips I'm going to say, I think would make any coffee taste better. And just know the best move you can make is 
going toward no sweetening, no diluting. Um, if you can get there, that's the best move. That's what, then you're tasting the natural thing that occurs in nature. Um, to each his own, I always say. To each their own. Oh my gosh, you're so right. To each their own, <laughs> their own. <laughs> but I will say, I don't believe in this case, to each their own about adding stuff to coffee. I think it's just like, I just can't, can't believe in, especially uh, the first tip I'm going to say is to just get some really good coffee, especially at a local coffee shop. If you can um, buy some freshly roasted coffee from a nearby shop, one, it's great because it supports something local. Um, and a lot of them also have really good practices about trying to buy at really fair prices from uh, farms and plantations around the world. And so your your dollar is 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 really worth it there for the local aspect and the the farmers who need it. Um, and they work really hard to get a really nice coffee plant that has a lot of uniquenesses to it. And that's why I can't support sweetening and, and adding milk because um, what they already do and, and work toward, especially if you're buying really nice coffee, is just great to taste what it is that they accomplished. But I'll say that um, I think anyone would would really benefit from buying some better coffee if they can afford it. Not everybody can, so maybe just do it as a treat for yourself. Um, have that as a cup of coffee. You have that, you know, that nicer coffee once a week or something like that. But look for a local coffee shop. Look for something that is a single origin roast and and by medium or a light roast. Uh, single origin just means it's from one specific farm in a specific country. And, um, it's not as hard to find that stuff as it used to be. And I, I do think that a local shop would be really, uh, would really benefit from your business. So that's the first thing. Well, that's, that was beautiful, Jim. You made it about something so much deeper than just coffee <laughs> on the surface. It starts to get cool too. Cause when you start having coffees from different places and you're like, Oh, I like this one. You you feel like, dang, this is cool. Whatever they're doing over there. I like it. And this is kind of amazing. So that's, that's that you kind of get more connected just by naturally you get more connected to where it's from. And, and it's kind of cool to know that stuff. Um, the next thing I'd say is that, uh, to buy your coffee whole bean, not everybody has a grinder, but, um, you can actually buy really cheap, uh, hand burr grinders, conical burr grinders on Amazon. Um, and it takes a little bit of work because you're doing it by hand. You're just cranking a little thing. But the nice thing is that freshly ground coffee, um, is like, so nice and it it makes a big difference in the taste so you could take a a not even great coffee and have the pre-ground version of it versus the the version that you grind and then brew it immediately after and i think most people could tell a difference that's my firm belief so whether it's great coffee you bought at a shop which definitely be a strong difference or just the coffee you already drink and you're used to drinking from a store from the grocery store if you go grab like a 10 to 15 dollar hand grinder from uh, Amazon or wherever you want to. Um, that'd be an easy place to get it safely. You don't have to go anywhere. Um, that would definitely spice up your coffee game. And it's pretty fun to do. I, you get an arm workout a little bit and you kind of might get tired of it if you try to do it like multiple times a day. <laughs> but <laughs> I'd say that's a good, um, that's a good tip. Well, if you want to be basic like me, you can go with one of my options. And if you want to be deep and meaningful and have this beautiful relationship with coffee, that's about, supporting farmers and <laughs> being better than the rest of us. And you can be like Jim. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Okay, the very last question. Are you ready for it? I'm ready. The very last question is also from Harry B. And he said, what is your favorite element? So I have an answer, but I wanted to see if you had one first before I gave mine. I was trying to look because I remember being assigned an element once in school at some point that I had to do some sort of report about and like what it was in and what it does and stuff like that. And I thought I remember better, but I am pretty sure it's zinc. Do you ever know, like, have you ever had like a school project that you did forever ago and you always kind of have an attachment to that thing or that topic? Like mm-hmm. you had to write about this specific explorer back in the day or this founding right. father. And you always kind of like that one more just because you had to do research in fourth grade or whatever. Right. So I'm pretty sure it was zinc. Um, and so I've always kind of liked zinc. I like how it sounds. I like that it starts with a Z. I don't remember tons about it, honestly, but I've always liked zinc. And I've also always liked mercury because it's cool because it's, dude. Yeah. you know, liquid room temperature. And when I was in high school, I was a teacher's aide for the chemistry teacher, um, Mrs. Pittard. She's awesome. Um, I did it not because I liked chemistry a lot. No offense, Mrs. Pittard, but she was cool and I needed, you know, a, a teacher's aide um, like period or that semester or whatever. And I was like, obviously, Miss Pittard, that'd be the best. So um, I logged all the chemicals in her like, like storage unit or whatever, um, storage room mm-hmm. and right. made an updated um, log of the amounts of them which would, took a lot of trust for her to let me do that. But yeah, um, as a high schooler, I would never let a high schooler touch anything. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I mean, I wasn't just kidding. High schoolers who are listening. <laughs> I was just being funny. I, I trust you. And I was not about to start messing with some chemicals. I didn't understand. That seems like a good way to um, get in trouble and also <laughs> potentially hurt myself. So, but I had to log how much mercury there was. And so I got to at least just handle the mercury in the like, container that it was in and it Mm -hmm. was just kind of crazy to like be moving it around and be like just observing it and that was the only time I ever got to do that but I just have always been like man it's it's as cool to me it's as cool as it always seemed it was and so I like oh absolutely I like mercury what about you I'm like very interested to hear what a chemist's favorite elements would be you've like in some sense do you have to like love them all equally because you're a chemist or is that (laughs) I know I have so many stories like the ones that you just told about so many different elements. I remember the first time I saw mercury, the first time I laid eyes on it. (laughs) I remember so many things, so many like weird stories of memorizing things or writing about them or Mm -hmm. learning about them. I have a book of the elements in my office where it goes into every single element. And sometimes it has little interactive things where we used to record in there. Jam slipped through it a couple times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like, to so think, I like to think of the t- first time you saw Mercury as be- it being like, you see it from across the room <laughs> and then in your head or out loud in the room you're in, it just starts playing. You're just too good to be true. <laughs> Can't that take my eyes off of you. Yep. That's exactly what happened. That's it. And then like the <laughs> camera gets all kind of like blurry on the edges, you know, as you look, mm-hmm. zooms in. Little hearts. Yeah. <laughs> like that. There's an Instagram filter that does that thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, go on. Well, so I was trying to think, and I think as an organic chemist, you know, I'm supposed to pick carbon. Oh. But I thought carefully 
and decided that actually what I really love is a combination of carbon, oxygen, and hydrogen. Mm. So each one of those by themselves is fine. But those three elements, just three elements, can do so much. Hmm. It's incredible. The smell of vanilla are those three. The smell of fresh baked cookies, you know, you're smelling just basically carbon and oxygen and hydrogen. Or wow. also those elements make up the smell of vinegar. Just so much stuff comes from those things. Weird. Carbon is in every plant. I mean, just the different rearrangements of carbon, oxygen, and hydrogen makes alcohol and makes different arrangements of alcohol to where some are safe to consume and some are going to kill you if you consume them. And just all kinds of stuff is basically just carbon, oxygen, and hydrogen. Mm. Every once in a while, you can throw a nitrogen in there or a fluorine or whatever, but I feel like it's incredible to me that I can just take carbon, oxygen, and hydrogen and do almost anything. Yeah. It's kind of like these other elements have like a flashy thing that might be what people think of for them. Like, oh, it's liquid at room temperature or it's like, mm-hmm. oh, it's used in microchips or whatever. And then those are kind of like the pop music, the um, pop star elements. And you're like, mm-hmm. but what about these like tried and true steady elements that make up everything that we couldn't, we could not do anything without. Like that's kind of how it seems to me as a non-chemist. I think that is just kind of how it feels. I was thinking, you know, oh, I should probably pick carbon because I'm an organic chemist. <laughs> and then I thought, but it's not just carbon. I mean, carbon by itself is an organic chemistry, but the things that you can rearrange and work with and do all this stuff with is carbon, oxygen, and hydrogen. And they're just insanely versatile and there's so much chemistry associated with them and it just feels like it makes everything possible to some extent. And I just think that's really beautiful. Dude. So that's awesome. Now you have the deep answer. <laughs> Me about my field, you about yours. Yeah. <laughs> if only I could call coffee like my field. It's more like a hobby. <laughs> you're you're a coffee expert, I would say. Coffeeist. I'm a chemist or a coffeeist. Coffeeist. I sometimes say coffeeologist. Mm, coffeeologist. That's good. Well, that's it for the questions. We want to take a minute just to say thank you guys so much for submitting those questions. It really is so fun, like we talked about at the beginning, to hear from you and to feel as if we're having a conversation with you. It's just really enjoyable for Jam and I. So thanks so much for that. And then we'd also like to take a minute to thank... Shale for donating on Ko-Fi. Shale's killing it. She writes questions, she emails us, and she's supporting the make production of our show. Good job, Shale. Yeah, thanks so much. And we still have the somewhat interesting but good problem of our listenership increasing over time. And so we are still going to end up needing to upgrade to the next level of our hosting fees to... Um, be able to handle more people downloading the show, which we obviously want to be able to do. We want to make sure people can still have access to the show. People can download it for their own um, enjoyment, for their own learning, uh, share with others. And as we've had recently, some classes using it too, to have a, a kind of outside different source of science lesson in their curriculum or whatever. So um, we are so excited about that. And we want to make sure that we can st- still keep the show going 
And so uh, when you guys do give on Ko-Fi, it really helps us cover costs of making the show. And we're still trying to reach the point to where we can cover that next level of our hosting fees. So just wanted to be transparent about that with you guys and ask y'all to consider giving and, and helping us keep the show going. Um, if you have been a listener for a while and you haven't uh, donated or considered donating, we just want to ask you to, to do that and consider helping us keeping the show going. We want to keep doing it and we love that you guys love it. And we do want to say that Jam and I are committed to keeping this show open access and available to everyone because we're passionate about helping people learn. We really think that podcasts are a great way for people to learn who maybe don't have additional access to educational resources. So if you're not able to donate or if you're just now coming and figuring it out, we don't want there to be any pressure at all. We just would like to ask you guys to consider if every single person who's listening right now gave just the cost of a cup of coffee, we'd be covered. But even if one-tenth of the people listening right now gave the cost of a cup of coffee, those hosting fees would be covered. So yeah. we just want to consider asking you guys to help us cover the cost of this so that we can keep making chemistry available for more and more people to learn and even maybe try out some different things. If we have additional resources, we can try making new content for you guys. So. But we love this. We're committed to keeping this show going and to keeping it open access for anyone. We don't want any paywalls to keep anyone from listening. We want everyone to be able to have access to all the resources that we put out. And we just can't thank you guys enough. We love y'all. Um, thanks for making this such a fun experience and for listening. And um, yeah, we just, we enjoy it so much and y'all um, make it all possible. You really, truly are helping me reach my chemistry dreams. It's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> this episode of Chemistry for Your Life was created by Melissa Collini and Jam Robinson. References for this bonus episode can be found in our show notes or on our website. And we'd like to give a special thanks to E. Robinson who reviewed this episode.